This is Ryan Stegman. I draw Venom for Marvel Comics, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Sexy time. Big surprise, people. Just when you expect it. No, that didn't make sense. No, it's, yeah. Yeah, they didn't expect it because here it is out of the blue. Yeah, right? What's wrong with you? Yeah, back and rusty. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! How could you be rusty on an early episode? It doesn't doesn't make sense, does it? I don't think too hard about things. Many things, I should say. I do think very hard and long about our topic tonight. It's one of the few things I take seriously in life. Yeah, I, I'm going to. I'm. I'm. It's an interesting topic. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. I, I think I have some things in mind, but I. I this is a case where. I. May I'm going to need some nudging, from you guys to make sure I'm on. I'm on the right path. Nice. But the listeners don't need any nudging at all because they know where to go. Right here, right now, it's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 742, Stealth Bomber, coming out of nowhere, giving you another episode of the stuff you love. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Yes, you are. And like any good number three, I'm Tad Haycroft. (laughs) Okay. Why are you Tad Haycroft? Well, because I'm Trigger Keaton's third ever sidekick. Oh, I didn't read it yet. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you did, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing about that. And I know where you can get that book. My my well, you can get it in my in my TV room right now, sitting right here. But. There is a place to go where the prices are low, and that is Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. One more time for the sleepyheads, DCBService.com, where you get your books getting fast, getting delivered straight to your door for a fraction of what everybody else in the world is paying. Guess what? What? The list of specials are up, and they are many, but I've whittled it down to three that I think deserve your attention. First of all, it is the second thing of which I am very excited. It's number two on my very excited list for this month. It's coming out of Image. It's written and drawn by Eric Larson. It is called Ant Number One. And there's a nod to Batman Number One in this issue because he titles Ant's origin story, Ant, Who She Is and How She Came to Be. And if you know anything about your Batman, that was in Batman number one, Legend of the Dark Knight, the introductory story in that issue, Batman, who he is and how he came to be. So Larson's doing that uh, tip of the hat to classic comics, and uh, he's taking on a whole new wall crawler here. Ant's epic adventure kicks off with this all-new origin issue and new ongoing title by Eric Larson. Now, you're saying, wait, wait a minute. Eric Larson published an Ant issue, or it, so it will be published very soon, and it's not number one. What's going on? Well, it was actually number 13, right? 
because, or 12, it was either 12 or 13. What uh, Larson did was he now owns the rights to Mario Gully's signature character, and he wanted to do service to the man that created her by finishing off his storyline and beginning his own storyline in a number one. That's Eric Larson for you. So this issue is a $3.99 standard price comic book. But because you're very, very, very smart and attractive, you know that you're going to get it for $1.99 from DCBService.com. That's 50% off. The number one thing of which, uh, for which I am most excited this month is now in the middle. It's from Marvel. It's Defenders number one. Superstars Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez reunite for a cosmos colliding journey. When existence itself faces extraordinary threats, it needs an extraordinary defense. That's when you call dun, 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 the Defenders, Doctor Strange, and the Masked Raider take a non-team of Marvel's weirdest, wildest heroes on a mission that will uncover the hidden architecture of reality itself. This cosmos was not the first to exist. But if the Defenders can't track Marvel's oldest villain through the deepest trenches of time, it might be the last. Ugh! How, are we not stoked for this? Always stoked for a new swing at the Defenders team-up. Sure. Well, I mean, they are Marvel's greatest team. It's a nice segue, too, because you were talking about Larson, and the one piece of Larson art I own is it's from its Defenders run. Oh, Mar- Larson had a nice little run on Defenders. Yeah, nice little something-something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, $3.99. Again, repetition. Cover price. Uh, you are bringing it home for what? What? Free 99 dollar ninety nine. $1.99. Mm, that's $1.99 more than free, but okay. Yes. Last, but certainly not least... This is both clever, uh, humorous, and a little bit kitschy. It is from Scout Comics, and it's called Dead Box, number one. It's written by Mark Russell, he of the Flintstones, and many other books. Lone Ranger, a bunch of stuff. And art by Ben Tizma. The uh, pitch is, Welcome to the Town of Lost Turkey, where the main source of entertainment is a cursed DVD machine that seems to know more about the fate of its citizens than they do. I giggled when I saw this cover because it's a red box machine dripping with blood <laughs> and the damn thing's called dead box. Now that's, <laughs> that's funny. Crazy. And there's that a com- there's a comic spinner rack next to it. Why the I guess the dead box is inside the store i don't okay whatever but i mean it's it's cute it's funny it's kitschy it's clever i'm ordering it um and it's from scout or i'm i said vault comics actually i said scout comics actually it's vault comics so go Mm -hmm. back and misremember or forget that i said scout and remember that i said vault i love vault comics barbaric what hollow heart they do good stuff i know you guys aren't into them yet but you will be i think this is again a $3.99 cover price comic, but super smart you are going to pay $1.99. Discount comic book service does mind late additions or late orders, and you get your books all wrapped up in love delivered right to your door. Bacon cookies is harder. It seriously it is. is harder. No, it's very hard. 
No, it, it really does depend on the cookie. DCBService.com, people. Okay. What is in that bottle? In this bottle is something is, is something new to me because I saw the bottle and I was like, this sounds hella tasty. Uh, it's from Allagash. I'm going to butcher the name of this brew, uh, Curio. It is a Belgian-style golden ale aged in Jason's favorite bourbon barrels, imported all the way from Portland, Maine. It is a 10.2% alcohol by volume. 10.2? Yes. It's almost Ooh. like a mead. That's awesome. Yeah, I think when you get over Oh, what? shit, this is good. Wow. Wow. I think wow. when you get uh, up to what? What's the percentage? Then it becomes uh, a uh, a mead. Is it over, over 10? Over 11? I don't know. know. Yeah. Uh, uh, have you ever investigated the Allagash incident? No? No. I mean, I, the name does sound familiar, so I, I, I didn't know if, if in, in any of our travels, if we've had their beer before, or but I, I know the name sounds familiar. Well, Allagash incident is a pretty big to-do in ufology. Uh, I won't get too deep into it, but two fishermen were, they were out doing their thing at night, and they were um, apparently uh, abducted. May have been four men, but I the comic I think has two. There is a comic, the Allagash incident. Uh, there's a gray on the front cover. I don't, I don't remember who published it. Could have been Mirage, maybe, but I'm not entirely sure. But yes, Allagash incident is a uh, exclamation point in uh, ufology, much like uh, Betty and Barney Hill and all those people that claim to have been taken by aliens and have uh, quote evidence to back up their claims. I'm not poo-pooing on anything. I'm just saying evidence is a very fluid concept in ufology. Uh, it says alcohol content averages 20%. It says alcohol by volume 55 to 20.5% for mead. It it's, ranges anywhere from 3.5 ABV to more than 18%. So it's got to be specifically made as mead. Like, there must yes. be an ingredient other than... Yeah. Well, aside yeah. from the honey, I would guess. Fermenting honey is the main ingredient. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, yeah it says mead is traditionally fermented with honey, yeast, and water. Yeah. Not a fan of honey. And mm-hmm. it's left to age for two to three years. Yeah. God damn, this is good. Oh, and Vince, you got to come back because I have um, the little something-something in bottles. Oh, the hunting, hunting. Nice. All right. Oh, I'm going to come back. Oh, I know. We have a little bit something special planned. Yeah, we run oh, indeed. For you tonight. Um, we thought, hey, this is a bonus episode, so why don't let it all hang out and do some investigating? And what we mean by that is a while back... Um, I came up with a topic for an episode, and for whatever reason, um, it got pushed to the wayside for better things, uh, as is, happens with our, with our show. But um, I could honestly say that my entire life has been, uh, aside from the family part of it, has been devoted to finding better ways to communicate 
my feelings on art. Uh, not only better ways of understanding art and perceiving art, but better ways to relate what's going on in my brain when I'm looking at these these images to other people, right? So if you were tasked with um, the unenviable uh, quandary of explaining to a blind person who has never seen their entire lives, born blind, has never experienced anything visually. Explain the color green to a blind person. How would you do it? Inevitably, I think you'd fall back on the, the, the standards. And this is what we do here every week. I mean, we're not ashamed of it. We are human. And it's, it's, it's the, the easy route where we'll be describing a comic and we lean heavily into synopsis and then maybe at the end because synopsis is easy relating the events of the story is easy right and then at the end we'll say oh yeah the art's great it's 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 grotesque it's beautiful to my eyes it's it's weird in these kind of ways and it's very uh expressive and it's it, it's very exaggerated and boom then we're done but i i think all those words don't amount to a hill of beans, right? Because they're everyday, average, standard words. Like if you were going to explain the color green to a blind person, I would bet that the majority of people would say, oh, green is grass and green is money. And that means nothing to the right. blind person. What is green? Explain green. And it's, it's amazingly difficult to do it. I have not come to a solution. I don't think, um, again, I probably won't. I'm, res I'm resigned, sitting in this chair right now, I've resigned myself to the fact that this problem will never be solved in my lifetime. And we're not going to come to a conclusion here by any means. But it's fun, and I think it's necessary to try. Because if you don't, push yourselves and explore and try and find different solutions to problems, then all you're doing is running in place. And I don't want to do that. I, I, I don't want to live my whole life saying the same things about the same kinds of art to the same people listening. I want to, I want to explode with, with different ways of communicating my feelings about art. It's difficult. And that's why we're here. We, we've all gathered together to try and crack a little bit of the the magic shell around this this very tasty dilemma uh, i i don't even know where to begin uh i i was i got a book this week from domino books and it is a massive massive book i'm i measured it it's 18 by 13 it's a hardcover it's a giant son of a bitch of a book it's called giant size appropriately evil and it's a monograph uh, featuring the work of Paquito Bolino. Now, Bolino is one of those dudes. I'm putting this over here because I am not holding that while I'm talking. It's heavy, too. Um, Bolino is one of those dudes that uh, is definitely from the Gary Panther school. Grotesque, uh, art brute, um, heta uma, right? Uh, where Gary focuses on a lot of pop culture trappings like cartoons and kaiju. He loves the Japanese uh, stuff. Uh, there's a lot of manga influences in Gary's work. 
but it's all filtered through that very, very unique Gary Panther sensibility where everything is, it's, I mean, it's an adventure. One panel will be chiaroscuro, Jimbo, um, rendered like uh, Charles Burns, maybe. And then the next panel will be this uh, twitchy, um, uh, petite mall seizure type drawing where the lines are just crazy and kinetic. And that's Panther. He, he, he just likes to, to, um, well, that's his visual voice. So when I say that's Panther, I'm being literal. That visual voice of his, that is the artist, right? But Bolino's like Panther in that respect where he focuses on something, but it's not pop culture trappings. He focuses on, uh, science, sex, and, um, mm, uh, gone awry, very, very awry. Uh, there's like twisted sex in the book and just, uh, dwarves stitched up and with pieces on them that aren't, it, it's, it's very transgressive, very disturbing, uh, style, right? So I'm looking at this book. There is a point to this. And I'm looking at, at the book. I'm going through the art and I'm like, holy crap, this is beautiful. How do I, how do I put this into words? And I, and it dawned on me that the everyday stuff, the Marvels and the DCs and, and for the most part, you know, um, well, let's just say the mainstream stuff is great. We all love it. We, we all need to consume it. It's something we've been doing for decades and we'll probably never stop. But that kind of stuff is not going to force you to change your mode of thinking because it's, it's junk food. It's beautiful, yeah, it is, and it's it's very filling, but it's the same stuff. It's not outside of the bounds of of our sensibilities of what is and what is not art, right? I think it's the strange, the disturbing, the the oddball left field approach to a visual language. That's the stuff that makes us question what we're looking at. Right, that's the stuff that's going to change your perceptions. Like Jason with um, Mike Allred didn't look right to his eye way back in the day. Right, kind of disturbing. Frank Quitely too. Ah, I don't know. This this doesn't fit within my 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 window of perception. So it's 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 different. It's it's not. It's making me feel some kind of way. That some kind of way is, I think, this work is challenging you to accept it on its own terms in a language that kind of meshes with the one you already have established when it comes to art, but it's never going to. So then you have to, you have to try a little harder, right? And that's not a, a dig at Jason. That's a dig at all of us, I think. We need to try harder, the point of this, this talk. Somebody? I mean, you were on a roll. I, I'm. I'm not. Well, you didn't. You didn't leave, exactly leave us with a question. I, I no, I didn't. But I mean, do you agree with any of that? Is is what I'm trying to say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. It's it's. That's exactly what I was thinking when when you know when you say, you know, well, describe the well. It's it's a very it's a green field with a blue sky. And yeah, if you've if if you're colorblind, if you or if you've never had the opportunity to see, if you are blind, period. You don't know what color a sky would look like. You just keep hearing the word blue. If you listen to an audio book, they keep saying blue. If 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 you're listening to the weather, they're going to say blue skies. You'd have no concept right. of what that color actually looks like. Because we're trying to express ourselves 
in ways that to which we're accustomed, right? We you, are, it's very easy for us to say, if you like this, then you yes. We, we, there's that. There's that. There's that baseline. It's like, listen, I think, you know, if you enjoy Chinatown, then you'll love the good Asian, you know, things like that. And 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 so somebody has an expectation. It's like, okay, so they get, they get my, they get my groove. They they, they understand what I like, and they're they're helping me appreciate something else and 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 they're pointing me down this 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 direction knowing what i already understand so it'll be easier for me to accept what it is they want me to try but um yeah if we absolutely i I think yeah I, i think we should grow and we should want to explain things um i mean you can be a walking thesaurus and keep saying the same thing using different words but it it's eventually if everything's the greatest thing in the world nothing's the greatest thing in the world so so you have to just you have to it has to be measured but it has to be you need to be able to explain it to someone where i don't i'm not talking about dumbing it down i'm not trying to talk to anybody like they're too i i want to treat everybody like they have the intelligence to understand what it is that you're trying to get across but it is it's it's yeah, we, we just we tend to fall back on what we know because it's comfortable. Not not it's not not because it's comfortable or lazy, but because the audience, the people we're talking to, our friends, the people even when we're together, we would say, "Hey, you know, oh, you dug this, then I think you'll dig that." And it's it's I think it's just it's to make somebody maybe it, it's easier to accept. Right, and there's a danger in radically changing our approach or our commentary on art because we've built up a sizable following doing it 741 ways before this episode and people are used to that they want that obviously because they keep coming back but and if you switch it up and it becomes something else well then you just you're in breach of contract right because you've you've given them 741 examples of this kind of commentary and then in an episode if you want to describe the art in a certain book and you do uh you know you play a a little thing on a bongos to describe what you're feeling that's gonna turn somebody off a little bit i think right so you can't be too radical in in your uh changing of the approach i think but my my worry I don't know if this is the flip side of that is I don't want to give a work the short shrift. I want, I, I don't want to just, I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't want to make it seem like it's only as good as this previous thing. Or if, if I, I don't want to, I don't want to just say that it's like this. I want it to be its own thing. I want somebody to judge it on its own. And I want to be able to, to explain why, why I like it on its own. The same reason why I don't like, you know, I, I, I'm not going to judge something just based on a trailer or a preview solicit. I, I, I need to judge the work as it's presented. And, and I think it's fair if I judge that, if I judge the immortal Hulk on what Ewing and Benedict do are doing and not comparing it to what David and Frank or David and Keon did. Those two separate things. So I want, I'm trying to, also keep things separate in in that regard different from the art topic but i'm i i i think i'm trying to do things 
differently as well when I'm trying to explain things or at least try to I'm not trying to group everything together. So I, I think the topic is fantastic. I, th- I think this. I think we're kind of talking about it at the right time because I have been toying with, with ways to get the point across without relying on the same old. Right, right. Uh, there's a lot to unpack, um, which I guess is why we're doing an episode on it. I remember when Declan Shalvey made a comment on Twitter years ago basically making this point, right, which was that uh, and and I don't have the quote handy, so so I'm just paraphrasing the spirit of it. So so please no one at me with the like I'm I'm not saying it. This is his exact quote, but essentially he started this conversation many years ago by effectively saying while he appreciates the work that was being done by comic reviewers out there, he thought that there was a, a pretty pretty severe imbalance between uh, an analytical discussion of the story plot points and the artwork, and he didn't think that that was fair. Uh, and he wished that it could change, and and that that really fostered a, a pretty vibrant discussion at the time, as I recall, uh, by all measure of people as to uh, you know some were defensive, some were in agreement, many weighed in as to why it it is the way it is, or or what it would have to what would what would be required to make make it change. Um, so, so I think this has been in the background for a long time. I know I know other friend of the show Gabriel Hardman weighed in at the time. Uh, and there were a bunch of artists that, that that I thought had some pretty thoughtful views on it. Um, I mean, first I'll say I guess I take some issue with the way you're framing the conversation, Vince, in that I absolutely disagree with any kind. Of, and maybe you weren't inferring this, but it kind of sounded that way to me that that we somehow have failed in the, in the ability of discussing art over over our lifetimes. Like I don't see that at all. I, I, in fact, I think we try very hard to be very effective uh, critics and 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 reviewers and commentators of the artistic side of comics more than, than many. So I'm not saying we are perfect, but I, I, I don't, so I don't see it as a failing. So I'm not going into this conversation um, under the premise of we need to change. Like we're a part of the problem. No, um, I know. I didn't seem like you might've thought. No, saying that we no, no, no. But, yeah. but what I'm saying is I think we do about, we we're definitely not 50, 50. I, I think we're about 70, 30 most of the time, which is, uh, it, it's average, right? Um, most review outlets focus on the synopsis because let's be honest, it's re- very easy. If you can't read a story and 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 pick out the uh, the high points and relate them to um, a reader or an audience, then why are you doing it, right? But the the because that's super easy. The hard part is is the part where I think we do a a, a good job at it. Uh, I'm not saying we don't, but I guess what I'm saying is that we and everybody else can do a better job in 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 conceptualizing in language something that was never designed to to um, be used as a tool for um, relating things that are by most accounts unspeakable, right? Right. The the best critique. For art is none at all, I think, um, and that's not to you know to poo poo what we do or what anybody else does, but to to digest a work, a painting, a book, a, an album, a, a, a TV show, whatever, and just keep it keep it inside, and and <laughs> well, that sort of runs anathema to writing or speaking. About. It sure does. It sure oh, does. Right. But I mean, in a perfect world, 
art would be worshipped and never spoken about. But that's, you know, <laughs> that that's never going to happen. Right. Because we ultimately will fail. Those words will fail. There's no combination of language that's going to impart my feelings about Jack Kirby's artwork to the average person. Sure. It's not going to happen because I don't have the words to do it. That's that's akin to me saying, uh, asking someone, who, uh, a devout, you know, person, why do you love God so much? Right? They're they're never going to be able to tell you. Like they just feel it. it it's it's innate. It's this this yeah. this warm feeling in in the middle of your chest or your your mind whenever you think or whenever you visualize in your mind's eye this the work of this person that feeling you're never ever going to you know and and what dap said about giving a book short shrift i understand i i completely agree with you you if you love something you want to tell people why you love it but i don't think it should be about like if you came to the table and you had one scintillating sentence that you craft perfectly crafted with words that you just pulled straight from your heart and you that was your review about a book shouldn't that be enough yes right that's what i'm saying so so the 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 finer you tune the language the less you have to say yes right yeah so so i i mean i think for the purposes of of the conversation i see it as there's 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 two main talking points um You've touched on on both, but 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 the first is, and where I think we're heading right now is, why, why is that the status quo? Why why current why currently, do most comic book conversations and criticisms and reviews, and authorship, whether it be podcasts or YouTube videos or websites written, uh, why do they, uh, show a predisposition to focus on? The words and the story and the plot, more than a discussion of the art. That's that's part one. Then part two is, what can be done to move in the right direction, with the important caveat being, which you've alluded to, that I think there are some structural issues with the very nature of the medium that make it achieving perfection in this regard unlikely, if not impossible. Um, at least for most people, I, there are probably some people that, and you, you could be one of these. I don't think David or I would be that 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 are are so ingrained in the idea of of art and what it means on even say like a metaphysical level that that you might be able to come to some mastery of it. But then I wonder if it would even make sense to listeners or readers in, in a lot of ways. Oh, but be- I, I, hopefully, no, I'm not saying I'm just no. Hopefully, it wouldn't. Okay, right. Yeah. I, I I wouldn't want to because then if I'm right, but right. You know but again, I mean. we do a podcast, so so if if you if you want to morph into offering something that's indecipherable to ninety five percent of our listeners, right? That that wouldn't be very. <laughs> then we're we're done. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so the the why is it like that? I mean, we've bandied about a few ideas. We we mentioned laziness and 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 whatnot. And and listen, I, I think um, I think there's a lot of factors that contribute to it. I think laziness is absolutely a factor. Yes. Um, but I don't think it's fair to just say, oh, people are lazy. Uh, I think there's very little money or fame or glory in discussing, analyzing, critiquing, recapping, reviewing uh, really books of any kind, but but comic books included. 
I think most people that do it do it for a love they have for the medium. I, I, that's not to say everybody's good at it. I'm just saying I think I think people genuinely aren't approaching this like punching a clock laziness. I think they're right. doing it because they, they like it. They, yes. In other words, they're, they're not they're not they're not collecting you know a, a salary just to, to do this and and whatever. Right. So, so I don't know that laziness really tells the whole story. I I think when we say lazy, what we mean is that it is just inherently easier to discuss plot for lots of reasons. First of all, um, while we certainly are, are, and I think we do a good job of this, there, there are plenty, we, we celebrate art and artists very much. Like we often tell people to buy books because of the art or the artist. We very often ourselves order or pre-order books because of the art or the artists involved. But, but that is even today, a very minority view of why people consume most comic books, right? They may, they may, I'm not saying people don't want to see what they consider good art in their comic books, but I'm saying that generally speaking, people don't buy or order comics um, based on the art over the story. They, they, they generally like, oh, what's the book about, right? Like, what's the elevator pitch? What's the solicit say? Uh, and 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 again, I'm, I want to make sure I'm not saying 100% of people do it that way, but I'm saying the vast majority of people uh, buy comics for the story and some combination of the art and the story. If if the story doesn't appeal to them, generally speaking, they're not going to buy the book simply because they like the artist. Um, so so I think there's that right. I just think in terms of like appealing to the most people you can appeal to, if you're going to discuss this stuff, generally you're going to win out by discussing the synopsis or plot because that's generally what people are drawn to in at least in at more than 50%. That that's that's the baseline. But then there's the issue of of that most crit- criticism analysis and recapping including when we do it is verbal. We're right. using words. We communicate we're not communicating through pictures especially, you know, we don't do a video show. If you do a video show, maybe they're they can and should be better at it because they can show the work as they're discussing it. They can um Right, I mean, they can they can walk you along, and right. and we we try and do things like you do a very good job putting images in the image gallery. But let's be honest, we have a hundred times more people that listen to the podcast than we see click on the <laughs> the image gallery. Right, like it's right. It's, so so even though you go through an in a considerable amount of effort each week to provide people with a bit of a of a a visual guide to what we're discussing. It's not something that's top of mind in a lot of people that even listen to the show. Um, Can I interject something real quick? Mm -hmm. I think we have an advantage um, being an audio um, review outlet. And I think the the YouTube uh, crew have an even more advantage because over straight pros, you can't, there are, inflections in the way we speak that they're not going to uh pull from a prose right. piece right yeah that's, um mm-hmm. like david can say oh this book oh this book and you're the, and that's a commentary if 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 this piece of art is has affected him enough to make him make goofy sounds i think that's a no i think that's a valid means of expression right yeah like that's Okay, that th- this thing gave me pleasure. You can't get that from pros. We're, so I think we 
and the YouTube uh, people, we definitely have a leg up over your standard. Mm-hmm. Pro- but there, there's a, a stigma against podcasts and YouTube, for the most part, where if you look at the uh, the fronts and backs of trade paperback collections, most of those pull quotes yeah, are, are are from are from prose outlets. It's and, a pet peeve of mine. It's been for I, I it baffles me. I mean, we we talked about this. I know off off air, but it, it, we. we we and so many other podcasts, and certainly some of the YouTube shows, which have monster fi- have way more reach than yes. these websites that get these pull quotes all the time. And it's not like we're shilling for pull quotes. No, really. no. But but I, it is baffling to me, just in terms of it shows the publishers disconnect with who really reaches the audience that's right. going to buy their and, stuff. But I think that plays into the fact that uh, the whole synopsis mystery. That's mm-hmm. kind of the same mindset where I'm not listening to this two and a half hour audio. Uh, thing to get a, a five-word snippet on my book. Oh, look, this guy over at WeWriteReviews.com has a neat sentence here. I'm just going to highlight it, copy it, and paste it. So it's it's again, it's the 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 path of least resistance. Do you want to run up a hill with a 45 degree degree incline, or do you want to run across a flat mm-hmm. plane? Like people are going to always, well, most people, yeah. unless you, unless you're Rod, you, you're going <laughs> to go for the flat plane, right? You, yeah, I mean, you're, you're and you're you're kind of veering into a very uh, EOC specific thing, right? Which is, I mean, there are podcasts that, like our friends at iFanboy, that that they they have a very very um, regimented format where they talk about a number of comic books that come out that week they use um timestamps right so so like for example like they're a podcast but you could a publisher could very easily say oh i I," and listen to the five and a half minute snippet of of their review of a book we we don't probably intentionally we don't make it easy right we we reach out to an artist and say hey sometimes say hey we we loved your book we 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 went all in on it this week and provide them the link but to your point uh they better be they better be really into hearing it because we don't we don't tell them that it may be an hour and 40 minutes into our discussion exactly listen and and i will say and we have had when so the way things work is we record the episode vince i wait for vince to post it to twitter and then I know I can share it to everywhere else. The next day, when I'm lucid, I'm able to take the show notes and I, I'll tag creators or publishers with a few things that we discussed on the show. There have been times where I'll get a retweet from a creator where they actually give the timestamp to their right. followers. Right. And I'm like, this motherfucker listened yeah. to two hours and 28 minutes just to get to their 18 minutes that we talked and I'm like and that's and that's awesome I love that because I'm hoping that maybe they'll come back next week to hear what they have to say and and let's let's be honest if we if we were in a mode of wanting to 1000% maximize our reach and influence and monetization we long ago would have figured out a process of time stamping and right that, that again my point being for us, the hassle of the timestamping has never been worth the potential reward. And I think for, but had we had other aspirations or said, hey, maybe we could make this a full-time thing, right? That we would have done that. I mean, that, that certainly is something that would make the ability for artists to uh, to to retweet or, or pimp or, or or go viral with our stuff much much easier. And yet we still don't do it. And by the way, not, not, I know none of us are eager to start doing it. So no, I'm no. not suggesting that we do. And we're obviously going on a bit of a tangent here. I'm just saying, like, 
we're aware that that would make things yeah. from a from a reach standpoint better. Which is just not worth the effort. Right. I call it the love sexy approach. By dumping one giant audio file with no delineations on an audience. That's what Prince did when he released Love Sexy sure. on CD. It was one track. Right. So if you had a favorite song, you could not <laughs> you could not fast forward to it. At in, least, in a way, we treat our. This is going to sound ridiculous, but in a way, we treat our uh, our podcast like art. Each episode is kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too pretentious, but yeah. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's not a pretentious thing. It's as much a. a, a, a there's only so much time and effort we we want to put into it to the to the non the non live portion of this. But but it's but right. But even in a way, it's like saying, okay, listen, this is to be enjoyed or not enjoyed, as the case may be. But, right. But this is what it is, right? I mean, we've we've listen. We've talked for we 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 have as some of our listeners know, we have we we have long been aware of things like we 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 could record the show and then put it out in 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 four. 45 minute increments and, and and again it would probably go wider wider and farther than our core audience much more frequently than it does uh but it just feels impure because that's not what it is like we the, what it is is a conversation of us sitting down for three hours and chatting right right so, i have anyway, an addition to yeah, your uh so the the first one was um the the review outlets tend to focus on synopsis over Art, uh, commentary on the art itself and i i think another reason why they do that is the expediency with which the information needs to be delivered so if, if you're at, working on a website and your bread and butter is reviewing single issues and you have to review them either the day they come out or the day after just to keep that momentum going you are not going to have the brain space to perfectly tune your language to describe the art you need mm -hmm. to get this review out so you're going to focus on the synopsis that's easy that's right there in front of you it doesn't require a, a lot of mind power to just piece together the the events of the story and say this is why i thought this was great when you're talking about something as abstract as a 2d realm with just lines and shapes and colors how those things um impacted your your consciousness you don't have sufficient time in a day or two to get to the the root of why this thing feels and uh, why this means so much to you or why it didn't mean so much to you or, or why it didn't resonate right it, it's it, time is a factor and what you need in this new realm of describing things in new ways you need time to figure it out uh, i mean it, it's it's like saying that language that you used for so long, eh, it's not all that adequate. So you're going to either have to find better words to describe your feelings or different, take a different approach. And that's the right. big question mark. And you don't have that in 24 hours. If you right, do, right. God bless you. But right. I mean, you know. Yeah. The, the, and, the, and, then, and then with, with, with our medium, with podcasts, I still think there, there, there are other factors. I mean, one... It's a cliche, but there's a reason why the cliche exists, which is a picture is worth a thousand words. It it, it is just inherently um, easier to discuss a linear set of plot points and whether you liked or disliked them uh, than it is to try and encapsulate what you're seeing um, from a, 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 
a, a illustration because the illustration is going to be orders of magnitude more illustrative and evoke so much more in anyone's mind or emotional spectrum. So just to try and cap encapsulate that is very difficult. I also think there's a belief, and I'm I, you know I'm not even sure how I stand on this, but I think there's a, a general belief that that art is more subjective than story. And I say, I, I don't necessarily know that I believe that, but but I think there is a perception of that. So it seems like the most common type of comic criticism is, or analysis is, let's talk about the plot, and yeah. then we'll tack on at the end, I liked, disliked, or was neutral about the art. And I think that was Declan's point back in the time, which is that it's 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 not even about necessarily being getting a PhD in art in art, you know, in, in, in fine arts so that you can discuss the brush strokes or the, or, or, or whether there's a, a gouache or, or, or whether there's spot varnish or whether they're using a nine panel grid, whatever the component of the criticism, technically speaking, it was more just that from his view, it was always 90% plot. And then, Oh, I liked the art or, yeah. and the art was a plus or, Oh, the art didn't do much for me. It's a minus, but I like the story enough that it was worth reading. And and, and it was, he was always like, why isn't it at least 50-50? And, and so, again, it's like, I, I don't think it's ever going to be 50-50 just because I think so much of the comics medium and a good chunk of what we talk about is characters that have been around, IP, for lack of a better term, that have been around for so long. We are used to, like, you guys love Superman. You're used to seeing Superman drawn by dozens, hundreds of different artists over the years. And yet you read a lot, if not the majority of Superman comics, or at least did for a good chunk of your fandom. Um, I mean, I adapt still more of it than you are, Vince, but but at some point you were like that. And and like I am with other characters, like the X-Men or whatever. Um, and so it's like, there, there's a shorthand. Like you, you, you keep coming back because you have this wealth of of narrative of these characters and sure there are definitely artists that drew these characters that mean the most to you whether it be simonson on thor or, you know whatever jim lee on batman for something whatever it may be I, that's not the point but 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 generally speaking you read that you keep coming back good whether you love or don't care for a given artist because you care about the character and you it's like ebb and flow but it's generally ebb and flow based on what they're doing with the character from a plot standpoint versus the art generally so like again it even kind of fits into people about why people buy and read these comics well superhero comics you buy and read them because you love the characters most often and every now and then you're blown away by an artist and then they become a hot thing and they go to other books and you maybe get excited about them too but so like i don't think it's unnatural but i think the question is how can it be done differently or better and 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 the difficulties of that and how we overcome those difficulties. Right. You know, I think I that's think, the question. I think you touched on a point uh, mentioning Superman. I often ask myself, why do you love John Byrne's Superman so much? <laughs> what is it about John Byrne's depiction of the Man of right. Steel that, that ignited a fire in me that will never burn out? There's a number of reasons. Um, first of all, John Byrne was the dude that was drawing the character. Um, my first exposure, more or less, to a regular Superman book was John Byrne. I had read Superman books here and there before John Byrne, and they never really did anything for me. 
But when John Byrne got his hands on the character, I stood up being a Marvel fan. I stood up and took notice. Not only did I take notice, I bought a shit ton of DC books in his wake. But anyway, so um, the first love, right? That's always very important. John Byrne drew Superman when I fell in love with the character because he drew the character. I think if it was, um, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not saying this artist isn't wonderful and great, but if Jim Aparo drew it, I wouldn't be reading Superman right now. Or ever, I, I like Jim. Jim Aparo's a great artist, but there was something about John Byrne's depiction, and I, I, I asked myself why. What what did he do that was so great? And 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 I I, I, I try and make a mental list, right? Well, the the character was was certainly heroically proportioned. He was he was handsome. He was um, human. Yeah. He was larger than life. He looked like a god, but he was in the shell of a very muscular mortal, in quotes, right? He was compassionate and all those things that relate to story. But what is it about the art that made me fall in love with it? Well, um, John Byrne's depiction of women has always spoken to me. Sure. Whether um, I'm not just speaking on a sexual level, but like when Byrne drew Kitty, it it resonated with me. Why? What is it about those lines on the paper that they're not drawings? Well, that's I want to say that they are drawings. They are they are flat representations of what we know as heroically proportioned human beings, or or in this case, aliens. So they're not they're not really uh, beings. They're lines grouped to look like beings, right? So, so if you go macro micro, they're, they're, all they are is just lines. But the skill that that man assembled those lines, and the the elegance, and I think I, I'll say it, the grace that John Byrne had back then, on on in his artwork, it touched me. Like in a, in a way that very few series have that run of Superman, the whole and because of Burn, the whole Triangle era of Superman is incredibly important to me. I, when I think of my love for comics, those books are in there immediately. Like that's what I think of: Fantastic Four, Bronze Age, Marvel, and then boom, I go right to John Byrne Superman. And this is where it gets difficult. To, to to formulate language into a way that you're going to understand why I love this. I, I'm a big fan of the magazine art forum. I, I, I'm devoted to the thing. And their stable of writers, I could take some, I can leave some. Some of them come to the table. And if they're, 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 they're writing about a painting, it's like they have a thesaurus right there on the desk. And they're they're flipping through it, and they're littering their sentences with ponderous language. And I I I I I exclaim out loud, like, can't you say this in in language that can connect with everyone? Like, I I have a pretty deep vocabulary, right? But there are times, there are a lot of times when I'm reading this this art commentary and I'm like, the fuck does that word mean? Is that even a real word? 
I, like I have to look it up because they just they just thinking that the 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 stranger or the 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 more or the rarer the word, the more it's going to convey their feelings. And I don't think that's true at all. I think if it, this is the catch twenty two <laughs> about about the uh, this process we're trying to come to terms with, there are words that are insufficient to convey this information about what art means to us and how it connected to us. And yet, if you get really flowery and outre, outre, with, with your language, nobody's going to understand it. So the, the commonplace language is insufficient, and the really, the 10-cent the, 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 the words aren't going to do it either. So where do we go? How do we, how do we get this how do we solve this problem, right? It, it's, it's very disturbing to me, very distressing, that there's not some kind of uh, human mechanism for just relaying, in, like, I, I'm human, I like to be lazy, to, to just project your thoughts into the mind of someone else. And then, oh, you know, they'll get it. It, it may not be words, it may be grunts, sounds, and, and body movements, but they'll understand immediately what you're talking about. See, but that doesn't exist. It, 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 you know, it would be nice if it did. That'd be just wonderful that, that we can just, you know, press our temples and automatically you, oh, I get it. Oh, it's the green mixed with the blue. That's, ah, oh, that just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. I can't tell you why, but I understand. And that's the whole problem, right? So, but yes, John Byrne Superman means a lot to me because of the, 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 the very unique way that singular organism arranged those lines and and shapes on the paper and and that's the problem getting the 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 id conceptualizing the arrangement and the the finesse that he had with those lines into language that's where i want to that's where i want to go to to convey that information the the shape and i think when you when you said um about uh synopsises being the the you know uh bread and butter of review outlets i think we should approach it from the art first wouldn't that be awesome if if you start talking about the art and instead of saying there's a guy to the left of the panel and a woman to the right you don't say that you say this is mr he drew mr jones on the right side of the panel in a way that really spoke to me there's a, a beautiful cross hatching in the, in his in his straw hat that was very wistful and very breezy and i i just i the shapes within the intersecting lines were gorgeous and they made me think of christmas morning when i was underneath the tree and i'm looking up and the light just hit the tinsel just right and it sparkled that's what that cross hatching in that hat means to me oh and by the way what i call him, mr jones mr smith whatever um, Mr. Jones is talking to Mrs. McGillicuddy because an alien ship landed in his cornfield. And then you can work the story into it while you're talking about the art first. You see what I mean? But wouldn't... So your description of that panel sounds extremely personal. And, it has to be. And, right. So some listener in Idaho without your experiences i mean they may get how it touched you 
and they can try to run with that, but they won't feel it on that same connection, they, they, on that same level. Well, that's impossible. No one's ever going to feel it on the level. Right. So it, 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 it's, which, which, which goes you back just, to You just to do the, the best you more. can. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, I mean, I think when we are trying to express what something means to us, obviously, yes, it's, it's personal. And I hope that it, it comes across where something did touch us or or affect us in such a way that i need to i need to let you know what the, when we talked about monsters i need to let you know what this meant to me right and 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 you know obviously we didn't grow up the same way we didn't grow up the same time we didn't we didn't have the same life experiences up to this point of reading monsters together but i i want to be and, and that, that's and you, you you read a book, you watch a movie, you do anything, and 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 they're trying to elicit some emotion from you. That they're, they're trying to get a point across. But um, yeah, it's no matter what. I I I feel that some there are times where no matter what I say, no matter how I try to talk about something, um, there's always. It's always in the back of my mind that I'm, I'm lacking. I'm, I'm, there's something that isn't. We don't have. I, I can't put that feeling in your mind. I, 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 I'm not telepathic. I can't make you feel exactly what I felt on Christmas morning, seeing the tinsel off the. I could just. I could try to paint the picture, and hope maybe you get it. But, but you're not. You're not getting the same experience. So I, I have to use the words the best way I can and unfortunately I just feel that it's never yeah. you, you can try to get I'm going to get it as close as I can to ha- I'm trying I'm going to try to get you to feel it as close as I can with the words I'm saying without with, without you actually having gone through the same thing I did right well the other thing to remember is that because we're so comic centric and we also the comics industry is this strange thing. We're, we're all way too incestuous. We we all feel a sense of ownership to the medium that no other fandom has or feels. We we uh, we have a connection to the creators in a way that 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 few, if any, other industries, artistic industries, have. Because if you think about it, um, when people are discussing a, a film, and, and I'm not just talking about reviews, I'm saying when people say, "Oh, did you like the movie?" or should I go see this movie or what did you all think of this movie or a TV series or a, a, you know a, a made for TV movie whatever it, it's you're generally discussing using words about what happens you you don't see too many pe- and part of it is because nobody has very few people have the the technical vocabulary with which to speak on those things I mean not many people are gonna open up a conversation about Oh, should I? I never watched Seinfeld. Should I watch it? Oh, you absolutely should. Should because it's it's a single it's a single set com- comedy with, th- with a three camera layout and uh, and and they they you know like you know what I'm saying or, or like right. or oh yeah you should watch Curb Your Enthusiasm because it's uh, it's it's a single camera uh, unscripted show. It, while all those things are true and 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 if if your audience 
understands it on that level, it may mean something to them. But you say you describe Curb Your Enthusiasm to most people and start talking about it's a single camera comedy, and they're like, I, "What the fuck's that mean?" I like, or you say there's no laugh track. People are like, I, "What do I care? Like, what do I care if there's a laugh track or not? Like, is it funny or isn't it? Should I go? What's the? What? Why am I? Am I gonna laugh at it or am I gonna not gonna laugh at it? Did you laugh? You know, right. did you laugh or didn't you? Um, you know, same thing with like like Fast. And, we were talking about Fast and the Furious Nine coming out, and um, some of the guys on the Slack were like. Yeah, I've never really gotten into it. I, I should I watch them? And it's like they want, and and, and it's a it, that's that's what I would ask. It's not tell me about the way that uh, that that they they film the, the movie, right? Like it's it's like no, what what is it about? Is it going to entertain me? Like, were you entertained by it? And do you think I will be entertained by it based on what you know are my tastes? Right. Yeah. So, so like, I, I don't think it's again. Like that's why I say like the lazy part. I, I don't think it's. I think one of the main reasons that most of this commentary revolves around words and plot is because that's what most people who consume them care about. That's fair. Right? Yeah, that's fair. That's all. You know, um, but but that doesn't mean we can't do better, right? Like, right. Like, and, and and I think that Vince, you touched on it when you mentioned crosshatching. I think where I do give us points, and we're not alone here, but I think one of the things I think that does help us elevate our conversation. Sometimes we probably fall into some lazy patterns and. And 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 just talk about plot, but but is that we we generally even though uh, I mean Vince is a is, is a legitimate artist and has academic and life training in it, um, you know Dab is actually a published inker now, so I guess he's in that. But I mean, <laughs> but generally speaking, we we know the term of art, right? Like we we can we I'm not saying we I'm not saying all three of us have a perfect mastery of all of the techniques and terms used in creating comic art, but we have a pretty good idea of it. So yeah. we're very comfortable talking about panel layouts or perspective or shading or technical whether it's watercolor or whether it's digitally colored or whether it's pencil or pen and ink right like the the way all of the the tools with which people the mechanics of assembling a comic visually we we're, we're generally pretty comfortable delving into both the layers of that work who does what uh, the type of work that's being done, whether it's hand letter, so so we we at least we have, we bring with us a set of tools. And again, for the sake of the audience, I'm not saying we have a mastery of those tools, but I'm saying we have enough of an understanding of those tools where we can weave those into a discussion of a book without a lot of effort. Right. But I think it is just I don't know if it's unrealistic, but I think it's fair to say that most people either because of expediency like you alluded to Vince or uh or 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 just experience aren't equipped with the tools to use that vocabulary uh off the cuff now i think when we if we're shifting into the next part of the conversation of how can it get better well one of the ways it can get better is for anyone that's going to spend more than a passing part of their life um discussing reviewing or analyzing comic work is to arm themselves with those tools. Right. Read exactly. Scott McCloud's book. Get a couple books on art analysis or the creation of art itself. Um, the, you know, read Modern Masters. Like, there's lots of things you can do where it is very focused on the technique or the tools, and uh, and, and you don't need to get a fine arts master an MFA to be able to more credibly discuss these things so like you have to want to do it and yeah. and and if you're in a line of, if this is kind of like a line of work for y'all you have to be compensated to be able to take the time to do it but i think i think that certainly is not an unfair request of the the comic creators and artists in particular when they 
from from reviewers. Like if you're going to make some living or gain, and in, in more in our case, like gain some kind of notori- notoriety and or influence in the industry discussing our work, at least do us the service of trying to understand the tools and mechanisms that that, that we use to prepare our work. Like I think yeah. that's a reasonable ask. And it is. I, it is. But you know, I, I don't think that should – I think that should be a tool uh, mm-hmm. in your arsenal, but I don't think notoriety – uh, should be the goal. You should try and and better understand art for its own sake. Like that's that's a oh, no, a lesson no, that I'm yeah not, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying notoriety like you're doing it for the notoriety. I'm saying like we don't do this to make a living. Yeah, of course take not. Take it very seriously, but certainly notoriety is a component of why someone like us or another podcast may do what they do. Right. Uh, I was just saying. If my point was, if you're going to put yourself out there as someone who. Um, discusses the medium with the intent of others caring about what you have to say right Right. i got you yeah yeah my guiding lights for any kind of of uh language-based description of art has always been the the great rock critics i i think they have i have they have it on everybody head and shoulders uh like lester banks Right, mm-hmm. Richard Meltzer, because uh, uh, Robert Criscow. So if you your job is to convey information on a group of songs, well, not not even songs. Uh, the, uh, most of the stuff I listen to wouldn't qualify. Um, on a on a, a an, an audio, a creative manipulation of sound, right? And you have an audience, and you're trying to trying to impart your feelings on this sound, that's even more difficult than what we do, right? Talking about sound. You, 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 you're you're an, uh, a critic of, of music, of sound. How do you convey that information? And, the, and more often than not, guys like Lester Bangs would approach it from the personal level where they, a lot of their, quote, reviews would be... Um, in in most part not even related to the thing they were seemingly unrelated to the 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 sounds on which they were commentating like uh yeah i woke up had a mean headache because i I overdid it last night i drank two cases of beer much more descriptive language than that right but they would worm the the target of their of their review into the 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 prose in a way that wouldn't it wouldn't be preachy it wouldn't be obvious but you would get a sense of what makes goathead soup a great album not going track by track by track and 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 saying well in this song Mick's singing about uh, a a love lost and he's trying to get her back like that's freaking boring right mm-hmm. and that tells that tells uh, conveys zero information other than what the song is quote about right mm-hmm. how does Mick grunt Three seconds into to uh, or what uh, you know what I mean this song or or Keith's guitar is is syrupy sweet and dripping with with jangle and 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 you can that the best part of the song is when he flubbed that one chord he got a clunker in there and that's oh it spoke languages to me and why see these guys would 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 take the left field approach more often than not and they'd be talking to you about art but. Through, filtered through that personal lens, I think where where Dap was like, 
well, your life experiences aren't the same as mine. That's true. But you can, you can, I think you need to inject personal experience into your commentary on art because number one, you're human. Sure. And, and the, the experiences you've had as related to this piece of art you're talking about are important, right? Like sure. I said, Christmas morning, twinkle. Mm. Who doesn't understand That's Christmas right, morning? Right. Yeah, yes, exactly. That. Right. It just depends yeah. on, 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 I mean, I, I don't have a problem with what you're saying for someone like the aforementioned music critics or, let's say, the way we go about our business. But as someone who edits for a very popular site that talks about football, I can tell you that one of the things we specifically require of our writers and Often the things I'm most often going back to them to do rewrites is, um, and I bring it up because personalizing reviews of things, particularly if the lot is to review like everything that comes out, um, is generally frowned upon, and I think justifiably so. So like right now you have you're kind of crossing a line between then they have to get into what is the point of the person speaking or writing about the 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 work if if the work is so if a CBR is goal is to provide a synopsis for the issue an hour after it's published and give it a rating such that they get SEO and also tell people whether they think they should go to the store and buy the book. Um, I'm almost positive they would be, because most professional publishers require this, would be forbidden from personalizing it. And I think that's the correct decision. If you're talking about like a critical analysis of a work that would say be on uh, like the TCJ or a podcast, then I think personalizing it can be in a very effective tool because it's also a longer form, free flowing explanation of the work in a more visceral way. So like, I, I just think you, I'm, so I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but I think it all, that all depends on, on the, the where and what for we're discussing these things, because right. I just don't think there's well, a, there in, in professional analysis and criticism, of something for the purposes of whether it should be consumed by others, there should be no personalization in it, I believe. And at least that's the mandate of most professional sites. They, they yeah. actually frown upon it. I understand where you're coming from, but yeah. I, I wholeheartedly disagree with it. I, I, I don't want to read the work of a robot. And and I think... Um, it's not a robot. No, it's not a robot, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's it, like, like again, let's use Fast and the Furious. It... it, it n- there, there's no like, like rotten, not the rotten tomatoes. But Entertainment Weekly doesn't want Joe Smith to spend two paragraphs telling you how badass he thinks uh, Vin Diesel is, uh, or 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 how dope the car scene was because he had a Mustang convertible when he was in college. That is irrelevant to ninety nine point nine percent of the readers. They do not give a fuck. That the, re- that the reviewer had a Mustang convertible, nor should they. They want to know if they are going to be entertained by the movie. They will not. It will not help them be entertained by the movie or the comic or the or the record because you had the same car or it reminded you of your prom when you were listening to the song. Like that has no bearing on whether they will be touched or moved by the work, and that's why personal reviews and reflections are verboten in professional reviews and again i i know that like i'm not disagreeing with what all you just said i'm just saying that like there's a very legitimate 
reason why that stuff doesn't appear in most analysis. Right. Because most readers don't give a fuck about what you care about. They want to know if you think, because they trust your your viewpoint, if they would care about it. Because we live in a culture that's light speed, where information has to be digested on a constant basis, and you you can't give them too full of a plate because then they'll spend they'll spend too too long reading it. I I I, I, I understand. Like, I think a big part of why we have success. We'll talk about a book. Let's say, let's say uh, Wicca, right? Where we just don't gush about it, and then we get deluged with people. Oh shit! I just pre-ordered it. Oh, I just ordered it. I can't wait to read it. Well, yeah. I don't think Brian don't started think, that deluge, but I get you. No, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, any book that that evokes that that reaction that happens a lot. I'm saying, it, but the point is, is that I think a part of that though is because the people that 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 listen to us have built up uh, a inherent belief in our taste, right? So there is a shorthand there now where if we, like you said, if, if we spend a lot of time on a book, if we have excited inflection about the book, if we're energetic about a book, it excites them because it rises above what, say, even our common discussion of a book is, and it pings in their brain, oh, I, I listen to these guys, I really like what they like, especially when it's something they love. I'm ordering it, like, and it break even if they had never heard of it before, right? But that's like that's that's a like building up. It's like building up muscle memory. A, a person that's listening our, to our show for the first time might not have that reaction, but if they've stuck around and they they like the way that we generally go about our business, it's like an alarm goes off in their cerebellum, and they're like, I got to check this out, right? So I think that there's a there's an, like an acquired thing, right? Like Peter Travers at Rolling Stone, right? Like. There's got to be a lot of people out there that at some point decided they really vibed with Peter Travers' reviews because the dude kept writing these reviews for, what, 40 years? And, like, they they presumably had an impact on sales. So at some point, people built up a belief that his opinion of things was worthy of following or like Dap, you know, with, uh, with Meltzer. Some people love Dave Meltzer. Some mm -hmm. people hate him. But, like, clearly enough people love Dave Meltzer enough that when he says a match is worth seeing, they run to watch the match, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's just it's like a tastemaker thing. But I think that tastemaker thing doesn't come just from hearing or reading one review. I think it comes from building up an instantiated test of whether you generally vibe with these people's perspective on things over some period of time. I think you're boiling away the important part here. Okay. And you said uh, people will listen to our show and they'll pick up on the inflection or the excitement. Sure. What are all those things? They're things unique to our person. So therefore, that is on a personal level. If I get giddy and, and snicker, that is not clinical language about you know the, this piece of art. That's me being a person, unique to myself. And I think um, the, I think the personal is very much needed in in reviews. Otherwise, it get, like if I don't read reviews, especially not rock reviews, to hear this person talk about in very dry language. The reason why people widely regard Lester Bangs as the greatest rock critic that ever lived was because he was a personality. He was a he was a very unique individual that used language in a very idiosyncratic way that made you feel like you knew this guy 
and therefore i don't think you i don't think people came to 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 circus or or, or um cream to read his reviews to find out what the album was like they read them because this is a dude that they feel like they know having read his reviews for months and years at a time so i, I it's like andy warhol was andy at one time was regarded as you know the, the pinnacle of the art world was it because his work was worthy uh, jury's still out on that i love his work and i think yes but andy warhol was a character the reason why people bought Andy Warhol's paintings was because it was made by that dude in the funny wig that had a, a studio full of wackadoodles. He, it was a circus. It was a media circus. And, and he captured the media as this weirdo that, that, that silk screened these, these knockoff pop culture images. Were they great images? Yeah. To me, they were. But the, 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 the population at large knew him as that weird guy. That hung around with Mick and Bianca Jagger and, you know, hobnobbed with the goofballs at Studio 54. He was in the news all the time. Yeah. Right? Well, I, I, don't, I, I think you're, yeah, I think you're slicing this in a way that, that, that I'm not intending, which is to say, um, I, I think Bangs is, is a good example. Like, and I don't disagree. He's generally regarded as the best, if not one of the best rock critics of all time. Um, but, but again, Bangs didn't say, I love the Jay Giles band because they reminded me of the, of the band that played at my wedding. He never spoke that way, right? What made him fascinating? Well, I is can't that specifically he, say that he didn't, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's my point, though. But like, that, my my point is, what made him fantastic is his ability to articulate on the art form. But he didn't articulate it by saying, "I thought that the that concert was dope," right? That's what I'm saying is 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 what there's no place for. There's no like people don't care when you say like. That I, was a neat. That thing. I agree with. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, oh, that I, is like, I thought that was awesome. Happened. Yeah, right. like yeah. I yeah. loved that book. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, yeah. like, like that like, was the best meal I ever ate. Well, what are we comparing? They it to? want you right. to explain to them why it's a masterpiece. Tell them it's a masterpiece, right? Like, like say, say, the White Album is a master, a symphonic masterpiece. Like, that's what a good critic says. He doesn't say, "I really love the White Album. Think you will too." Like, no, no, no. That doesn't no. do anything. But they that, could. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's. It, it, you, I'm not saying that 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 their the personal passion for their consumption of the art isn't a part of what makes them a good reviewer. I'm saying they don't make it about them, though. It's not about them and how it affected them. It, that is a vessel with which they use to then articulate to others why why it's a masterpiece, not why they think it's a masterpiece. They tell you it's a masterpiece, and you trust that he's right because everything else you've read about Bangs was spot on. Because when he talked to you about how much another thing was a masterpiece. You went out and bought it and thought, fuck, this is a masterpiece. Or you loved an album and then you read his review of it and thought, god damn, he's evoking why I already think this thing is a masterpiece. So the next time he spoke on something, you were, you took note. But he didn't go out there and just tell you, like, let me tell you the 10 reasons why this means a lot to me. Like, no, like, that's irrelevant. Like, and he never tried to, right? He, he just told you why things were amazing in really beautiful differentiated ways so I, I like I, I i just think that again that's not personalizing it he used his personal interaction with these bands and these groups and his experiences behind the the curtain and the time he spent with them to better illustrate to people the things we're all trying to do and we want them to consume it is I what i'm trying to say i think getting back to being lazy or using shorthand i I think 
when I do it, it's because I'm under I'm under the impression that the people who are listening to the three of us talk keep coming back week after week. So eventually they're going to understand where our tastes lie and what we're grooving to and 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 that just like anybody who who's watching Siskel and Ebert in the eighties growing up, it's like, okay, well if you if you know what 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 Gene and Roger enjoy, you might lean one towards the other, but but the idea is you keep going back week after week because based on what you know they enjoy or what they've reviewed in the past, there's you've you've got that again, that you've got that foundation. You know what you're working with. And and you know, we can I don't really come I don't I don't sit down on on Thursdays or, or, or the extra night thinking that okay, I'm going to talk to someone new someone new is going to listen to this tonight. I'm I'm still just talking to you two guys and 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 anybody overhearing us that that's cool, that's great and I'm glad you're here, but I'm never I'm never trying to catch my words or 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 or, or review things or critique things in the hopes that that someone new is going to hear this. And I mean, I, I'd love for someone new to, to, to try us and, and stick around, but but I'm still just using my words, my experiences, talking to my two friends uh, about things that are going on. So it's, I, I know that we want, we we have, we have our, our our listeners, we have a group that you know listens to what we're saying, and and because we've been doing this for so long, they they get us they understand even when even when i may be at a loss for words they may understand what it is i'm trying to grasp at and um but that's that's something that takes time that's not going to happen in your first week that that that's that's got to grow and that's got to be and and that's part of the whole natural and 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 organic progression we've had it's i think i think some familiarity is definitely going because if, if if Vince reads, you know, Mr. Bangs every every month when the new issue comes out, you've got that familiarity that you know where he's coming from. So so you already you you may you've, you've got a leg up over someone who just found Bangs for the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, he's been dead since eighty two. Yeah, I get you. Yes, but yeah. thirty or thirty one. <laughs> yeah, um, but I don't. I don't want to say you're selling yourself short by coming to the table thinking you're just speaking to Jason and myself. Uh, I was always taught to, uh, in, in any kind of creative discourse, to um, speak to the audience you want to have, not the ones you already do, right? That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, I, but there, there's a, a conundrum here because... To me, the audience is irrelevant, and I understand that part of it when you say that. Um, not not to make anybody listening to this feel irrelevant, but I don't. I'm not trying to formulate these sentences and these feelings and these concepts f- with an effort to impress an audience, or mm-hmm. I, I, I'm trying to purge these ideas I have in a way that makes right. me happy. Yeah. 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 yeah and that, that, that's why I want to make it clear. I, I wasn't like, I don't take an issue at all. With the approach you were taking relative to bangs and personalizing it. And I think that's part of the reason that the audience we have sticks around. I, I'm just saying that 
I think there's a time and a place for it is all. Right. right? Main, mainstream and, media frowns upon yes, it. I get CBR it. CBR and, and Hollywood Reporter and uh, wherever else, Comics Beat, that's not the place for lots of reasons, I think, for that kind of criticism. TCJ, that's always been the place, right? I mean, those right. are very... And that's, that's why I read the journal sure, and, sure, I, and sure, I don't. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I'm just saying, like, there's different slices of pie, so I wasn't trying to dismiss it as invalid. I'm saying there's a very good reason why a good chunk of the market for this stuff isn't like that and and probably shouldn't be is all my problems. But I think it's also fair for us doing what we do to say 1971, I had a gerbil. I loved this gerbil. His name was Zippy. Unfortunately, sure. the gerbil got blah, 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 and he got smushed, flattened, blood splatter. It, it, it shocked my young mind. It, it, the, the, the image of the, my smashed gerbil is, is one of the visual stimulus that I will never, ever forget. If you turn to page 236 in Junji Ito's <laughs> book, right. there's a, an ink spatter that instantly reminded me of my gerbil's lifeblood draining onto the sure. sidewalk. Like, I think that's fair. because oh, not, that, that's 100% fair. Yeah, because not only is, does it instantly yeah. make the reader feel like, holy shit, this book is going to shock the hell out of me. The, the, there must be some really grotesque and, and uh, you know, uniquely shaped ink splatters in this book. I'm going to check it out for the more adventurous reader. So right. I, but, but I, that, that's an avenue. Does, our show isn't – how do I say this? I, I don't want the audience to take this the wrong way. Our show is about us. Yeah. M- meaning – meaning, like I don't want the – it probably sounds bad. I, our show is about our love affair with this medium, what we get excited about. And that's why most weeks we don't have any kind of particular rigid – theme this is why people that turn right. on their podcatchers don't know if we're going to talk about comic strips from the 30s or a book that was that hit the shelves three hours before we hit record it, it's it's just whatever is vibing us uh for whatever particular reason that we are passionate enough about that we feel like we can articulate some of that passion so and, and 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 that's why lots of people probably tune in and tune back out because right. it's not their kind of thing and it's it's we've and that's perfectly reasonable. So I think f- people that listen to us do care about the work that we're talking about, but generally they 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 care about our three crazy ass. Exactly. That, I think I think the opposite or, or the balancing end of that equation is that yeah we are very passionate about the medium, but. There's also the personal component in that the three of us care for each other very, very much. So it, that's a that's a piece of the equation that if you remove that, everything falls apart. So I, that's crucial. The sure. feelings I have for for you and that other wackadoodle are very, very important to what we do here. Without that, it's just a couple of guys or a bunch of guys just you know, yeah speaking their mind on on assorted topics without that that personal level um personal connection i think that's what makes it work but we're not here to talk about us right we're, we're here to get to the unless yeah, so, you, so that's the question is 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 beyond which i think we've already agreed to people taking the time to better arm themselves with the proper vocabulary 
to describe the art yes. or the process of art, what else can be done to help balance the scales? That is the question, right? Right. Um, I like to, when I'm reading uh, comics, I like to try and pull words, deep down words, that at least can can somewhat relate what the, this art is making me feel it's difficult that's why i like doing it because i'll, I'll sit there and, and the usual ones come up exaggerated um grotesque uh claustrophobic and then the art terms we you know chiaroscuro uh stippling pointillism blah 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 whatever but and, and it's very frustrating because as i'm trying to find the words ultimately Again, um, they're insufficient, and I try and find new words. Or I don't think there there should be a law against making up words. If 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 you made up a word that was you know this this glistening glistening little nugget of perfection that that got your point across, then make up the word. Right? You'd have to ultimately you'd have to explain the word, which you know would be difficult maybe but i I think that's a a valid process too i'm not saying we're gonna you know speak in tongues on books but if you made a you know if you made a a, an instantly relatable goofy little word um you know this i think that's fair it's it's just trying to find a different tuning on that instrument you've been playing for so long Uh, does the tuning sound good to your ears? Uh, maybe not at first, but the more comfortable you got with the, you know, the, the phrasing, yes, then it would be comfortable. And I think that's a lot. That's another thing that works against us. Again, I said it before, but it, it's time. Time very much works against us because mm-hmm. we most often, more often than not, we do a weekly show, and even a week. Um, I read a book this week that you didn't vibe on, but I thought was the cat's ass so so much so that i thought the main story just just captivated me in a way the the concept behind the main story i I had to close the book and just think that's freaking brilliant like what if that was a real thing like that would be uh horrifying uh on the one hand but it would be very very um i would be curious to see it in the real world right um, the, the, the you're stuff, saying this is an example or you're saying le- legitimately this happened no legitimately this happened I well, just well. Uh, well I'll get to it in your travels oh, oh okay. yeah but um, you didn't update your list okay. I, I didn't the concept is, is so mesmerizing to me that I that it just when again and it's in terms of story so I'm sorry but the way <laughs> the way the concept was presented in the book was the selling point for me like you mm-hmm. can say I don't want to, you know, bury the lead for the in your travels, but you could say, okay, this is the concept, and like, yeah, that's great, it's kind of cool, you know. But when when you are a, a, a virtuoso with the pen, and you can make these little tiny scratchy marks and make me think someone is walking through the fog, right? I was like, whoa, that the way that the way that they approach this visual problem, it, not only is it unique, but to my eyes. It completely puts me in that that moment with nothing more than little tiny scratchy lines. Like that's pure magic. That uh, a man can get a piece of paper, a pen, and some ink, and 
make these little you know scrapes on it, but they're not little scrapes. They're a man walking through the fog, and it's like that—that's what attracted me to art in the first place. That that you could take this visual shorthand and make somebody feel like they're in an area shrouded in mist, and there's a, a, a something is walking through the fog. Like that just—it just—that's that's what makes my life worth living. And mm-hmm. and, and so it's it's. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but one one other aspect of this that that I know I find, well, it let me rephrase it. There's there's lots of ways I'm sure that people um, there are different ways for every person has their own way of processing what they read or hear in an effective way, and and we talk about like well, people listen to us and they vibe with our opinion or. Dat mentioned Siskel and Ebert, and I'm sure some people were ride or die Siskel, and some were ride or die Ebert, and 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 part of that was like tastes, but also part of that was probably delivery and the things they focused on. So everyone's got different different things that 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 make something appeal to them or not. But I know f- from for me personally, one of the ways that I'm most someone's most likely to appeal to me is to help frame something. Uh, with comparatives that I can draw upon. So if it's an artist, if you tell me that this person reminds you of X, Y, or Z, or a combination of X and Y, or evoked the way that this artist drew something else that I'm familiar with, that's super helpful to me. Like I, that will That's super helpful in helping me frame in my mind whether it's likely to appeal to me, whether I'm going to be intrigued by it, whether I should check it out. Uh, and that doesn't just work for visuals. I'm saying anything. If it's if if it if it's a band or if it's a writer, um, I, I definitely appreciate the uh, the the comparison approach, uh, and that's often why I use that when I'm discussing uh, works because I it helps me. So I figure if this is a way that I would be drawn to something, I'm going to share those comparisons with others and hope that it draws some of them in. I'm sure for some people they don't care about the comparisons or it's not as helpful. But for me, that's just a tool that's very, very helpful. And, and I use it because it's the way that I appreciate being turned on to things, right? Like, so it's just, the, I mean, that's the way it works. I, it's just the way my mind works. I'm not saying it works on anybody else's that way. So, but I do think that's an effective tool for me. To, as, and it's often a good shortcut when you are speaking about something and using words and you're trying to evoke, uh, the imagery in a way that isn't simply saying I really love the art. If you say it reminds me of Alex Toth when he was on this book, right? Like it, that's I I find that very helpful, and that's why I use it because it just it's it's something that 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 would get me interested in a work. But you know your mileage may vary. I'm just saying no, for me that's I- a tool that I very much rely upon because it's a tool that I value when I'm reading others uh, or listening to other people talk about stuff. I think it's a great starting point uh, because you connect instantly. Yeah. The art in this book is very reminiscent of Alan Davis. You've instantly captured the people who are aware and experienced with the work of Alan Davis. You clicked, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's a great starting point. But I also think it's while it's very effective... I think it's a tad bit lazy, which is okay because, again, schedules, time, all that stuff. So if you want to cut through all the bullshit and you say this looks like John Byrne, people are going to click. But I, 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 I'm 
firmly believe that you have to take it further. Well, I guess which I would you do on the use of lazy. No, no, I'm saying in general because I think it requires a person, both the person speaking about it and the person listening, to have a depth of knowledge that allows them to vibe on the comparison. You have to know who Jacques Tardy is. If I say the work reminded me of Tardy, uh, I have to be well versed enough to draw the comparison as I'm reading the book and saying this reminds me of Tardy, and and that means that yeah. you're well enough read that you know who Tardy is. That's you know true. That's yeah. also like yeah, I get I, it. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. I, I, sure. I think it's easy. Like, and I'm, I'm sure there have been times where I say something. Somebody will say, "Oh, that reminds me of Jim Lee," and I've seen the works of both. And I'm thinking, "Are you out of your fucking mind? That's not like Jim Lee at all." And I think, "Do you even, do you even art, bro?" But, but I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think it definitely, it, I think it can be a shortcut. But I don't know that I view it as lazy because I think to be able to make the comparisons, at least those that are valid. You have to have put in the work. You have to have done the reading. Yeah, you have to be able to make those connections in your mind. So I think you just back said, off on the lazy talk, bro. You just said something very important. Where you someone said that the work looked like Jim Lee, and you're just like GTFO does not. The lenses with which we view this art are all mm-hmm. unique, right? To this person, this work may look like Jim Lee's. Now, you don't think so, but does this person have the experience that you have? Maybe. Maybe there's something in the work that is reminiscent of Jim Lee. Like, maybe it's just a nostril. The way this guy draws nostrils looks like Jim Lee's. So there, what I'm, uh, the point I'm making is it, it's, it's like having um, a record that only plays on one kind of turntable. Right, so the every one of us is unique. The 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 stuff that comes in, the stuff that comes out, is all filtered through this thing that we are. And I'm not like you, and you're not like David. So mm-hmm. we tune in the world on different frequencies. That's another stumbling block. Yeah, I mean, to trying to to get this the, our information conveyed because the the receiver might not be capturing the signal in the way we intended. But that's not on us. That's because they are tuned differently. Mm-hmm. So that you know, it, it's another speed bump on the on the highway to success. So I mean, there's so many things working against us to try and get this solved. And uh, I, well, yeah, I, I was going to say I agree with you that it, it's a starting point. Meaning that, and we'll take the Jim Lee. I could say Chap Yap is a Jim Lee clone. I could say Travis Charest is a Jim Lee clone. Needless to say, I think all three of us would agree that the skill with which we view them as artistic storytellers is quite different. So I think, you know, if you say, but you can use that to your advantage, right? You can say Travis Charest started out learning and emulating Jim Lee's style, but evolved into something much more his own because he has a much softer line right has a has a, a more uniform weight to his line um you know you can and then it's like you so like you said you kind of have like it's like a, um, a, a, a like a starter pot of yeast and then you could make a pizza with that or you right. could make uh uh daps queen and non or whatever the fuck it's called uh but <laughs> i'm saying like so so i, I think yeah if you just say oh so-and-so is it, it reminds me of so-and-so that yeah that that can be helpful if it's a more esoteric 
perspective or name um but but it but it should be a, a it that should it, it probably shouldn't end with a period you should then elaborate beyond that sure of, of, uh, yeah of, totally agreed okay like like i'm gonna i'm gonna help zero you into the map but then i'm gonna start layering more structure around it to help you focus it's like uh you know so yeah no i'm, I'm with yeah, you I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna get the region but then i'm gonna get rural on your there asses. we go yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. but uh apropos of nothing i i think uh Jim Lee's not worthy of wiping Travis Charest's ass, but that's no, only. No, but but no, that, well, but that's right. Not to get on a tangent, but but certainly there was a time, particularly after the in, during the early image heydays, that Travis was considered and probably yeah. by his own would say was a Jim Lee clone. Sure. He was considered that, yeah. but he very quickly, I think, became his own guy. Where you're like, holy shit, Travis Charest is ridiculous, yeah, godlike. You know? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. And by the way, why we don't? What happened to him? Oh, he still does stuff. Does um, he? Yeah, he There's did. Uh, here and there. Not too long. He did. Eh. He did a Meta Baron's thing. Eh. <laughs> oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I guess I just didn't read it. Yeah, what a beast. <laughs> That's a strange aside, but nevertheless, it is. Yeah. But it works. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think again, you are on the mark when you say you need to educate yourself in the language of art, uh, the process. And uh, you need to, I mean, if you don't have the time to read uh, textbooks or, um, you know, uh, and the like, there's always YouTube. You should not frown on YouTube because there's a lot of bright lights there uh, doing artistic commentary on the process. You know, um, all of, there's a lot of heavyweights on there that is, you know, here's my video on crosshatching. Look what I can do. And you, well, okay, so what? How many different ways can you can you cross lines? Well, apparently a bunch, right? And and you know it it, it will enlighten and entertain, which is what we're all after, I think. Um, you know, the, even uh, Happy Clouds. You know, it, even if you watch the classics on the way these guys apply paint. And, the, you know, just their mood and their commentary while they're doing it. You don't really have to click with what they're doing. You, you will formulate a language somewhere the more you're experienced to this stuff. Um, you know, you watch a movie on Basquiat or, or Jackson Pollock and you see the way they're, they're, they're moving paint around and the way they're, they're, they're drawing and the enthusiasm and stuff. That's part of it as well. Now, now you, you're never going to be looking over the shoulder of a comic book artist while you're reading their finished product, right? But... All of that is worthwhile experiences. I think they all add to your, hopefully, your appreciation to the process that goes into making these things. Um, they're, they're not robots. They're, they're, they're flesh and blood humans. And, you know, they, they, they have their little idiosyncrasies. And that's what's important, right? That is what makes their art, artist A, a different beast from artist B and all the way mm-hmm. down the line. So I wouldn't discount any kind of um, learning about this stuff. Seek it out. It's not going to, well, yeah, the universe will bring it to you if you really want it. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, you need to want it. You need to, you know, have a actively desire to improve your knowledge of, of mark making and, and, and ink pushing and, and paint slapping, right? You look at a tutorial on on Procreate, or 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 watch what people can do in Corel Painter if you're a dig, more digitally inclined. Like they're all valid means of expressions, and they're all different, right? Sure. Yeah, but but uh, and to more to Jason's point, 
I think that's an uphill battle because, uh, you know, comic buyer one goes to the shop, picks up Batman and, and all the Bat books. Mm-hmm. He's only interested in, in one thing. He's he's not. I, I'm, I may be typecasting, but there are a, a lot of readers who are just in it for the story, and they yeah. don't ca- they don't care how mm-hmm. it's made. Yeah, that panel may look cool. Uh, you know, you may oh, that's a cool panel. I want a T-shirt of that. You know, that's great. So you're appreciating art, but it's on a more cons- it's more of a consumer level, right? I want that poster on my wall. I look mm-hmm. at that thing every day. Um, that's fine, I guess. Maybe it's a stepping stone to a greater appreciation of trying to find out why that poster and or T-shirt mean something to you. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, desire is a big part of it. Well, I mean, the, the image boom was a, a, a great litmus test for that, right? Because when we talk about those guys, it, it's 99% about people's excitement for their art. Yeah. And and but but it's your mileage may vary on on how that art is perceived through the test of time. I mean, you you, you can't mention Rob's name without having f- five stand-up comedians post the Captain America image, right? Yeah, you, you just can't yeah. like you can't do it. It, 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 it. You have to get the the war of the feet jokes and 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 all that. And I'm not even saying those criticisms of his work are invalid, but but it's it's. But at some point, it became a thing like, "Oh, dude can't draw feet. Dude, dude draws wonky anatomy." But, but I think a lot of people don't, you know, kid me. Now I think a lot about it. But, but why did kid version of me? Why did Walt Simonson or Alan Davis or John Burns art stand out to me amidst dozens of comics I was buying and reading every week? Why did those? Why were they the first? people who I actually noticed their names and started realizing that different people drew different comics right. and it wasn't just random guys drawing so I could read these stories right like what was it about their work at that early moment in my fandom that stood out above all the other work that I was seeing at the time certainly I, I, I'm not going to be mad at people if they never ask themselves that question because Ultimately, getting back to the point you were making about how you want to bring personal passion into it, whatever makes you excited about a work as you're consuming it is valid. So sure. if, if if you just read comics for 50 years and you just have no earthly idea why certain art turns you on and certain art turns you off and you're cool with that, then so be it. Like, you, it's not that's you, fine. That's you do on fine. some level, though. Well, the, no, but I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure they do. Like, I don't think, I, I think if a lot of people will read a comic and say, didn't love the art, but but they don't really care to or, or know how to explain why, what specifically about that art didn't they like? Was it they didn't think the anatomy was on point? Did they have an issue with the perspective? Right. Was the coloring muddy to what they were used to seeing? Were the panel layouts uh, difficult to follow from a narrative perspective? These are things I don't think the average fan asks of themselves, and I'm not sure they should. If, if I mean, it, it, I think it, it may enhance their experiences going forward. But I, but I, but I, I don't know that like it's fair to tell them that they're that they they need to. I mean, if 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 they're feeling fully satisfied in their experience consuming the stuff, then so be it, right? Mm, but all those things you mentioned may be 
registering positively or negatively with them on an unspoken level, which is plays into the the fact that it's very difficult to 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 formulate language relating to art, right? So the opinion came from somewhere. They didn't just look at it and say, hate it. Like, why do you hate it? Maybe there are factors within their being that are making them feel this way, but they just can't say. They mm-hmm. can't they can't they can't decipher that that mental code to parlay it into a string of letters that you can understand or that they can understand but they definitely feel it and i think that's very important they they feel it on some level so therefore it is perfectly valid they just can't express it which yeah it's a gun with no bullets but it's still a gun right they still have that that stimulus somewhere that's telling them you don't like this or it's it's whispering in some kind of thing we can't even decipher it's it, they're being their 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 mind is letting them be it's making them aware that they aren't clicking with this for whatever mm-hmm. reason mm-hmm. but it's there whether they can express it or not is yeah. i think irrelevant no it's definitely there but what i'm saying is i don't know that many people care beyond yeah i agree with that just reaction agree, to it and, agree and i don't know that i can beat them up for that because no. you have to you have to want to put in the work right i mean yeah. and 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 then only because you think you're going to get even more out of it so right. uh, it, personal it growth up, yeah but, right but but right but i'm saying for a lot of people they're just consuming this to be entertained like they, they, yeah. that there is no interest in personal growth beyond that they 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 read a comic they're entertained by it or not and then they want to read the next comic they don't they don't really there's no they have no interest in 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 trying to expand their yes. understanding of that enjoyment versus anything else. And, and I, again, I'm not like, I think it's, I think where we can't go is we can't tell people how they're, no. we, we can't tell consumers of, 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 of art, like that they're wrong for the way they consume it. Right. I, I think this again has to stick with those who choose to go down a road of, of professing some level of expertise in the medium should be held to a different standard because right. you're 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 out there telling people what 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 to think in a, in some way or shape or yeah. form. And and I and I to your point, I think those types of consumers lean towards the mainstream. Of course, right? Because you have this easily digestible feel good food stuffs, art stuffs that that you know they're 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 being sated by the by this stuff and then they move on to something else in music right you you said it many times you're not down for the 20 minute guitar solos yeah like i i love fish i will listen to trey play guitar for hours if that's what he wants to do and that's not gonna that's not gonna click with the people that like maroon five right so there are there's there are subsets of consumers that want specific things i want him to take me on that 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 45 minute journey i think he's one of the best guitar players that ever lived right there's one there's another person that just wants to hear that thump and bass that's all they want and they, they think you know the the you know whatever moves like jag or whatever they think that song's cool i'm a crank it makes me feel good so which which is more valid both right 
it, it, it's it's again it's it's the unique way with which you approach yeah. art. If, if well, I think the three of us are 100 percent aligned on that, and always have been with the show, which is one of the things I love about it, and presume that the people that stick around do is that we we don't really. I mean, we love it all. I mean, yes. I'm saying we don't love everything we read, but we love it all. No, there's a time for everything. Yeah, I mean that's and we've 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 in years past have had conversations about how it, while the while the comics journal is hall of fame worthy and 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 has a indel has made an indelible mark on comics in many ways i i i definitely wish that the majority of their contributors could have come at it from a perspective of i'm going to celebrate this without feeling the need to belittle other types of comics as though they were invalid you know right. it's 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 it this the snobbery i think is what i you lose me with the snobbery like to your point i mean i i i you can you can if all you do is like top 40 cool like i'm down for that like if all you do if you're the kind of person that the second your favorite group signs with a major label and is on spotify you don't want anything to do with them like eh, i have an issue with that just because like like, I don't have an issue, you can stop listening to them, but I have an issue if you acting like suddenly they suck or that people who like them now suck. Like, that's like, 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 enjoy what you want to enjoy, and, and it can be as focused or as broad as you care about. But just don't, I, I just have an issue when people invalidate things that they're not into as being less than the things they are into. Yeah, yeah. well, for many years, the journal made a living capturing that, group that outgrew the mainstream and and that's why i probably had less of appreciation 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 of it than you is that i always felt the the subtle undertone of like yeah you're reading this review and you might read the book because we're telling you that it's it's worth checking out but we wouldn't want to hang with you at a con bar because you read wolverine every month right you know and i'm like well all right dude like like can i like wolverine and fucking dan Klaus, like isn't that possible like right well like, to them no right and that yeah. didn't make any sense to me but and, a lot I, I think one of the things that that i would posit the reason that the t i know this is another tangent the reason that the tcj lost a lot of its impact in the industry is that there was a generation of creators largely our contemporaries and slightly younger than us that were turned on to comics and and made their mark in comics through very indie work and then seamlessly transitioned without apology into doing superhero work quite effectively. People like your Lemires and your Kints, right? Where they were doing this indie stuff that the TCJ loved and they were the new darlings and then, or, or, or Julian Tamaki or Tommy, and then suddenly they're doing a, a Justice League book and the TCJ's like, wait, 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 what? And, and these guys were like, no, nah, I mean, I, I fucking love that shit too. You know, like, like, like Michael FIFA, right? Like, he's like, I fucking love that stuff. Like, you know, and it's, it's okay. Like, I can want to do a fantagraphics book and I can want to do Suicide Squad. Like, that's okay. They're both right. badass. Yeah. I, but you know? again, I think FIFA is Josh a, Bayer, right? Or, or, uh, yeah. Or, 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 yeah. Or, or, no, I mean, like, all these guys, right? Like, no, like, Bayer loves. No, that's know. what I'm saying. Like, these yeah. guys don't like the, they, they are indie with a capital I. But they also unapologetically have a soft spot in their heart for at least some portion of mainstream comics, and I love that. And I think right. that that kind Discord. of I love that that became a much more normative perspective to have among fandom. 
um, versus it's us versus them, which I thought was always a shitty way to look at the world. Right. Well, ironically, the salad day, the good old days of the comics journal, they captured that audience that outgrew the mainstream. A lot of the comics journal's audience outgrew the journal. Yeah. And because of their uh, attempts to dissuade you to read that stuff over there, you should read this. And I always got a kick out of it whenever they would uh, showcase a mainstream book only to rip it apart. Mm -hmm. You're still showcasing a mainstream book. Like whether mm. whether you're tearing it down or celebrating it, the fact that this has connected or risen to the top of this vast sea of books published every month, high enough that you took it and did a spotlight on it, the fact that you ripped it apart is irrelevant. You're still showcasing Wolverine, you know, number ninety three. Mm-hmm. Like so, so who who's the winner here, right? Right, right. I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't think it's it's a good practice to to only focus on one type of art. Whether you know, if you're just immersed in the the mainstream, that's good. But you're going to be getting the same stuff over and over and over. Where is if you're you're steeped in indie comics, that's also not entirely healthy. It's like eating Burger King every day or eating you know salad every day you mm-hmm. you're, you don't have a diversity of, of intake yeah yeah your, your palate's that, not going to expand and, and i don't want this to sound like an excuse but i think that um it's also entirely valid when you talk about lots of comics as we do sometimes i want to talk about a book because the story really turned me on like i thought there was an extremely clever bit of dialogue or plot contrivance that that set it apart and the art doesn't necessarily play into why i think i loved the book right like it i don't think i could love a comic if i disliked the art even though the story was cool but but there are times when i just very much love the story and just as there were times when i think an artist just crushed on a book and the story was was forgettable or 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 wrote so i think it's okay like if you're coming to the table with a specific side in mind because that's the side that really turns you on. I think that's perfectly valid. Like, I don't think everything that needs to be discussed has to be given 50, 50. If, if what drew you to it wasn't 50, 50, but I I think you have to be, uh, you you have to have bona fides with that. And that, and that like, that's gotta be, it's gotta shift one way or the other. Sometimes, sometimes you you're turned on by a book, almost exclusively, if not exclusively because of the art. Sometimes you're turned on to a book almost exclusively because of the story. Like, that's totally fine as long as it's 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 part of a spectrum of, of, of the way you consume this stuff. Truth. Yep. Well, as I expected, I don't think we made a shit ton of progress. <laughs> but, but I love that it was discussed, man. Right, but at least at least we cracked the seal on it. Right, and I think we should have these types of episodes every, I don't know, fifty or so episodes, mm-hmm. just to because we grow as 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 not only as people but as commentators. And and I'm going to make a pledge again. I've done it before, and I kind of sort of stuck to it, but not really. I'm going to make a pledge to try and find different ways to encapsulate my feelings on this thing called art um it may not always be successful but i think 
the 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 goal is to at least try try to expand sure um, and we can hold ourselves accountable when we feel like one of us is just saying oh and then this happens and then this happens and I yeah yeah because we can just we can but we can suss that out by saying well wait a minute i mean what is it particularly about this that you dug more than the than the arc previously or the five issues previously or the artist that you know i mean we can we can evoke that more i think probably the the times we're at our worst are when we each um, kind of line up and do a synopsis of a story and then say that we liked it and then wait for the other person. Like, I mean, right. sometimes it's inevitable just because we all don't, you know, we bring totally different things to the table. And, and but, but I think that one of the ways that we can keep that more vibrant is to uh, lovingly challenge each other when we're in that, like, so instead of just dead air, and uh, okay, great. And what did you read? It can be well. Wait a minute. Um, you know, give me more. Like, what is it specifically about this thing that uh, that 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 made it worth bringing to the table? Beyond that, uh, it happened right. to be one of the three comics that you read this week, right? Like, right. The um, way the so. way you ask yourself, what is this story really about? Mm-hmm. Apply that kind of thinking to the art. What's this art really doing here? Like. Uh, Yes, it's pastel and it's it's flowery and it's it's tranquil in some spots and mm-hmm. it's an excellent use of color. But what is the artist really trying to convey? Um, assuming like we can't crawl into their brains unless we bring them on. Um, I, I think I think trying to get to the root of what it is the same way we do with the story, uh, symbolism, metaphor, you know, all that stuff. Try and impart that kind of thinking to art. I think it's it's a it's a it's a goal, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this. It was a little bit different. Um, we have a formula which we totally trashed for this episode, but uh, <laughs> you can come back next time in two days, and it'll feel like a comfortable pair of pants. Yes. Uh, Turkey rem- pants, just enough elastic so that uh, <laughs> dude, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I'll save it for the bonus material. Um, (laughs) So once again, this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. Get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door. Effortlessly. You can answer the door in your pajamas if you want to. What's better than getting comics in your pajamas? Ah, nothing. Remember, from Image, Ant number one, Eric Larson, Say No More, $1.99. From Marvel, whoo-hoo, Defenders, number one of five, Al Ewing, Javier Rodriguez, $1.99. And from Vault Comics, Deadbox, <laughs> number one, written by Mark Russell, art by Ben Tizma. Again, it's only going to cost you $1.99. No frills, no worry, just buy them. DCBService.com. In your travels. Um... About 20 minutes before I sat down to ring David, I finished this book. Let me get it. Right here. Get it. I put it in my hand. It was published by Viz. It's a hardcover. The latest. The latest latest in the series. It was written and drawn by Junji Ito. Mm. And it's called Love Sickness. Now, Jason. Mm-hmm. Specifically, why didn't this connect with you? 
I didn't find it particularly... One of the things about Ito that, that at least the works I've read of his that, that really draws me in is his ability to evoke a sense of horror and dread that feels real to me such that I can imagine being in that situation or witnessing that and, and being terrified from it. So it, it, it evokes a, uh, like a serotonin response in me um, where it's almost at times impossible to look at. I think I, this is, if I keep staring at this image, it's, it's, I'm going to have trouble sleeping. Um, I, I, for whatever reason, and, and admittedly I haven't given it a, 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 a huge, uh, like I haven't given it a lot of analysis. Uh, this book didn't do that for me. I, I didn't, I, I just didn't, I, I, it didn't seem frightening to me um, in the way that his other works have. Um, and, and this is, it's just purely an emotional thing. I didn't, I just didn't vibe to it. I didn't necessarily care about the idea of love, lovelorn, you know, um, monstrosities affecting people in a town. It just, none of it, did, it just didn't, it didn't play on anything, I guess, that I have an inherent fear of. Hmm. Um, and so I felt, unlike every other Edo book that I've read, uh, it to be tedious at times. And, and I don't, I, I hate this, that you put me on the spot in the sense that I, Why not? I'm not, I, I, no, I don't want the, I don't want the pull quote to be, would thinks Edo's book is tedious. I <laughs> like just, but but it's on a relative <laughs> basis. Uh, on a relative basis, this book didn't um, didn't have me clamoring with one eye to to turn away and one eye to see what's next in the way that his other works have. So. Okay. Okay. Well, oh uh, boy. I think I didn't do a book by book comparison, so I, I'm just gonna uh, play it safe and say, "Love Sickness" is one of the more visually disturbing books that that Ito has produced. I thought his rendering of the bloodied, undead schoolgirls <laughs> was. Uh, there, there are levels of 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 uh, horror. Uh, this is depending on the way you you mark your scale. This has to be either the the, the absolute peak or the or the the dankest bottom, because the line work on these young girls, their eyes are sunken. In many cases, they're missing. Their their hair is all ratty and shriveled, and their skin is is all desiccated, and they're covered in blood. Uh, it, it's a rash of teenage suicides, and Ito will show the girls dragging a box cutter across their necks, and you see the gap in their in their necks and the blood shooting out, and it's extremely horrifying. the 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 concept is what really got me. There's a trend, at least as far as Ito is concerned. Uh, there's a trend in Japan. It's called the Crossroads Fortune. And um, because a lot of these Japanese cities are coastal, there's a lot of fog. 
Um, and that is prime time for those seeking guidance in their lives. Yeah, they have a dilemma, whether it's about love or fortune or anything. And, and they go to a crossroads. So that's conceptually rich right there. They go to the, a crossroads in, in the city, and then the first passerby that crosses their path, they ask them to tell them their fortune. And as Jason alluded, more often than not, it's young girls needing to know whether they'll someday find love in their lives. And in, in this instance, there's a young man named, uh, Mia helped me with the pronunciation because Joe English here would say <laughs> Ryusuke, but that's not how you pronounce his name according to Mia. It's Dyusuke. Dyusuke Fukada is a young man who lived in one of these towns. This one's called Nazumi. He lived in this town when he was young. And dad, dad's job forced the family to move away. And eight years later, they move back to this town. And it's always shrouded in fog. There's always some kind of fog going on. It's, 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 like, it's gloomy. Um, and he comes back to this town reluctantly. And he's like, ah, I'm not going to remember anybody, whatever. I just hate this. I don't want to do it. There's a reason why he doesn't want to come back to this town. I'll get to that. Um, but he, he runs into a, a young lady when he goes to school. He runs into a young lady he does remember. And her name's Midori Shibayama. And for those who don't know, Midori means green in Japanese. I did not know that, Mia told me. And the two click. Both attracted to each other. But Midori has a friend, Suzue. And Suzue is the girl that all the dudes in the class crush on. Like, she's beautiful. So, um, long story short, uh, Suzue has the feelings for Dusuke. And he doesn't return them. So, there is this, there's a legend forming of this extremely handsome, gothic-looking, pupilless young boy that will meet you in the Crossroads Fortune, and he is brutal. He, he'll tell you you'll never find love. And all these girls start killing themselves because not only are they um, in need of some kind of uh, guidance and you know, just to make them think that, yeah, your life will be okay, this guy's telling them what they don't want to hear, but he has this power over them where they fall in love with him and they need they they need him to tell them what they want to hear but he doesn't purposely and they'll kill themselves in graphic detail the box cutter is amazing the, those kids they don't just use the first part of the blade they just extend that sucker all the way out like they are they're making sure that they get the job done but the the thing is when Dusuke was a kid for whatever reason he had a bad day and he was in the crossroads and a woman, a pregnant woman, came up to him and asked and, and said, you know, um, I, I, need, I need my fortune told because I'm in a relationship. I know I shouldn't be in it. He's a married man, but unfortunately, I'm pregnant. What do I do? 
And Diosuke was like, I don't care. You'll whatever. It's never going to work out. And because he told her the fortune that she didn't want to hear, she thought her life was over. She killed herself. And obviously the baby with her. So that was eight years ago. When the kid come, when Diosuke comes back, he's got that memory, the guilt of of being a, a, a an eight year old asshole and telling this, making this woman in a sense giving her the putting the blade in her hand and, and you know killing her himself. But it turns out, and I'm going to spoil this because it's not a big part of the story. Turns out that this woman was Midori's aunt. And the story progresses from there. But the way that Ito draws these fog-shrouded cityscapes and the people walking through them, and then when there's there's waves of undead schoolgirls in this thing, it is absolutely... It's Number one, it's riveting to me. I could not look away from this art. It's just gorgeous. Tiny, in, in, just amazingly small marks just layered over each other and he does it what looks to me like effortlessly like he has a very profound knack for the grotesque even his quote average characters they all look like they're tired or there's there's the weight of the world is is on their shoulders they look hunched and just it, it's amazing the facility this guy has with the human form but anyway the fog is a metaphor there's got all these people, their lives are clouded by uncertainty. They're just looking for someone to say everything's gonna be okay. But this prick, this this black clad dude in the in the in the fog, is evil and will not but it, it speaks to the fact that society, human beings in general, are just looking to be reassured that everything's gonna be fine. And we we need reassurance as people, and that this this story parlays that into a narrative that's just it's amazing, it's uh, extremely disturbing too. A lot of bloodshed. If you're squeamish, just stay away from this book, because yeah. there yeah there people set themselves on fire. Um, there there's a story in the back about poop, rubber poop. I don't know if it's autobiographical. But this kid just wants... It's three pages, four pages maybe. Four pages. He just wants to buy a piece of rubber poop. And he and he doesn't want to uh, experience the guilt of having people make fun of him because he wanted rubber poop. What? <laughs> Who could tell a story like that? It's amazing. Uh, I, I, I said it before, right? I, I adore Junji Ito because he makes me feel things. It, he it, the like like the honestly like the loss of a loved one that hollow pit of your stomach bleak outlook on everything that's what you will get from his storytelling if you're human if if you know if you, you have a, a very thick wall against emotion then maybe you won't feel them i don't know but um yeah it's and again do you do i like to feel that way hell yeah because he's making me experience stuff that no one else can, at least not in this kind of language. Uh, yeah, love sickness. It's uh, twenty two ninety nine for a hardcover, about four hundred pages. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's unsettling to say the least. <laughs> oh God, yeah. And and as the as the main oh, Jason, this one panel when 
the girl actually it's two pages he focuses on the eyes a lot did you notice that he oh for sure i mean um, I, I, yeah yeah I, I don't want anyone to take i mean i think ito is one of the best illustrators in comics period so i, yes. I have no issue with the way he draws things it's just this particular i get it yeah you know oh he, yeah he i mean you're right he, he had i mean he's I mean, listen body horror is his thing right I mean, he's he's right. just fantastic and i, can't I remember which of the uh can't remember which of the um, anthologies, the short story books, it was, but there was the one. It was one of the more recent ones where, where the person is literally just wasting away, like wither, you know, just, 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 uh, and and it, it's just disgusting. Yeah, and, and and probably what it would look like if a person really was withering away. But but it's amazing for how talented and the the uh, diversity of of his depiction of of unsettling elements i think he draws the most beautiful women they they are just mm. so striking yeah so anyway i don't want to i don't want to go too long uh love sickness junji ito get it get it get it nice uh in your travels um we read the miniseries ages ago um Happily, as each issue was released, um, the trade has been released uh, from Image and um, and and Top Cow, and I am going to briefly just talk since we have talked about it in the past uh, about the collected edition of La Mano del Destino by Jay Gonzo and. Um, you have the nice forward by Evan Dorkin. That's cool. And then you get through the, uh, you, you, you read the six issues. But what I really love about this collection is everything from behind the mask on. And, and if, if you've never read the story before, then by all means, absolutely get the trade. You'll enjoy the story immensely. Um, but I live for the back matter here and, and, Gonzo talks about the history and uh, the architecture, the, st- the clothing, the masks, and and just I really started smiling when I get to the process. Uh, he talks about the um, digital custom art brushes he created for um, to ink the book digitally as he go and, and he breaks down each process from from blank page to 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 finish printed page. Um, and and you get your whole your color palettes. What I really, really, really would love is just like the old Fastener and Larson portfolios, where you would get the envelope and you'd have the four, six, or eight images. Um, I want that for the image gallery. I would love to see these pinups in a nice, large format, ready to be framed. I mean, you have you have beautiful. It's called a pinup gallery, but you have beautiful full color images by folks like Matthew Allison, by Jonathan Gordon, uh, Joe Benitez, and 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 everybody takes a character. Someone will take the three bells, or someone will take uh, La Mano del Destino. Someone might take um, uh, Jesse Lonergan has uh, Calavera, and it's a beautiful image of. Uh, of the wrestler and and i just think every image is absolutely fantastic i would love to see 
He's all blown up. Um, and and everybody's in alphabetical order. There's a beautiful image um, by Alex Regal. Um, and and Jason and I have, have Regal art in, in our homes. Um, so it's very much his style, but it's really cool image. Um, and then, of course, uh, Daniel White wraps it up and and D-Dubs went, went all out um, with his page. But I think this is a fantastic collection. There's, it, when you've... There are some, some collections that are just, okay, cool, here's, you know, all six issues of this miniseries. Here's these four issues. Nothing special, nothing... No introduction, nothing extra, no, no, no back matter, no variant covers, no, no sketch pages. Uh, it's just... The same four issues you would have read singles uh, is now just collected in in a slightly thicker format with 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 no bells and whistles. And this this goes beyond it. This is this is exactly what I would love every collected edition to be like. From soup to nuts, you get everything in here um, that Gonzo worked on along the way to bring this story to life. And and uh, and you know it, it's. I absolutely adore this collection. I, I think it's fantastic. I recommend it highly. Um, again, if you've never read single issues, you need to do yourself a favor and uh, and get the uh, the trade paperback of La Mano del Destino. In your travels, definitely. We've been saying it for years because we've read it over the years. Um, La Mano del Destino, that's, that's in your travels for tonight. Yeah, and shout out to to Jay who just suffered a, a bad bone break. And, yes, uh, yeah, just had successful surgeries. So keep your head up out there, kid. Um, yeah, in your travels, I I referenced it at the open, uh, and I won't get spoilery because I know it's a book that's highly anticipated by many, uh, including my booze here. But uh, I would imagine most haven't received their copy yet. But I did get a chance to read the first issue of. Six Sides Kicks of Trigger Keaton, written by Kyle Starks, with just incredible cartooning by Chris Schweitzer. Uh, they're together again, like chocolate and peanut butter. And this, uh, highly anticipated by many of us, and it absolutely delivered. Uh, both of these guys, including when they do their own stuff or when they work together, just have this incredible mind meld where they give you... Um, the same kind of blend of comedy and action that uh, I think really was was so pervasive in the formative years for me of pop culture, whether it be TV shows like A Team and Knight Rider and movies like like Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris and uh, it just they're they're unapologetically kids of the '80s themselves and a lot of their work centers around that both in its pastiche and its topic and this is no different the the titular trigger keaton is a chuck norris type uh, action tv star who um had been on myriad of shows over the years some big hits some short-lived and he was um a john wayne type he was an absolute piece of shit to work with and for and uh, around but he was a star, so he kept getting gigs, and throughout his career, he had a litany of sidekicks, 
playing different roles uh, alongside him, and um, and and this is essentially a murder mystery because Trigger is is dead, uh, and the sidekicks all are involved in some way, shape, or form, and maybe suspects or maybe trying to solve the case. You'll have to read it to find out yourself. But uh, this was awesome. They just it's just it just feels like when these guys are together. They just have so much fun. I mean, coming up with the names of the characters or just make you giggle. They're silly, but the comics should be ridiculous, right, Vince? Um, and and a huge selling point for me is always the art here. And Kyle's a, a, a great on his own right, but Schweitzer Schweitzer just has this um, this hilariousness to the way he draws. And I often think when I'm done reading a Schweitzer book, I'm like, wow in the hands of so many other really talented comic artists, this book wouldn't be what it is because it would just feel way too serious. And, and it has to have this underpinning of ridiculousness that, uh, that, that his very cartoony style gives, gives off. Um, so I, yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, I can't wait to see what's next. Um, I'm not surprised. I loved it. I'm sure you all love it too. And uh, and while you're at it, if, if you're not familiar with, with either of those gentlemen's, the bulk of their work, get familiar, because there's really not a bad... I don't think Schweitzer's ever done a bad a bad thing that I've ever seen, period. So, um, And Starks either, for that matter, but there's some Stark stuff I haven't read. Uh, so check it all out. Yeah, it, but this is great, man. Six Sidekicks, Trigger Keaton, by Image Comics. Get it. If you didn't pre-order it, shame on you. But uh, get it soon, because we'll be talking about it, I'm sure, at length. And don't forget the uh, bonus story in the fifth issue of um, the uh, Skybound 10th anniversary series. There you go. I won't be reading that unless you guys send me a copy. So I'm sure you get it, the but... preview. Yeah, oh, that's but, true. Yeah. No, no, you, we don't get Skybound. We don't get Skybound previews. They don't provide us. Kirkman doesn't give us. For real? When have we ever gotten a Skybound book? I don't. I, we I, don't get them. Well, I didn't. I, yeah. I never bothered to check. <laughs> we don't. I, don't I mean, I wasn't. Yeah. I, I wasn't reading. Um, no outpost or or yeah. Walking Dead at, at nah. the time. So. Kirkman's greedy about that stuff. We don't. We don't get his books. That's that's nice. He's greedy. <laughs> but if I bought them, all right, cool. I bought the first and fifth for the Ultra Mega and for the uh, Buster Keaton. Uh, Buster Keaton. Trigger Keaton stories. Nice. I figured it was like if I was going to buy two, I'm going to get them all. Why the hell not? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here once again. Come back. If you want more of the EOC thing and it's not audio, you can go to Twitter and Reddit and Facebook and Instagram, all that. We got places there. And if you're uh, really looking for a good time, check out the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We would love to have you. This is the part where we say goodnight. You're you heard. You heard. David. Good night. <laughs> Oh my god, what is that? That was my stomach growling. Get out of here. Maybe you should eat something. There you go. Maybe you should eat something. Don't eat after 8 o'clock, bro. Yeah, I hear you. 
That really wasn't your stomach. It absolutely was my stomach growling. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Jesus. Ooh, good God. We're out of here. Like Vladimir. That's it for that one.